Do you ever feel like you're unseen or unheard because of your disability? Do you feel isolated and unsupported? Welcome to the Miss Independence podcast. From questions about chronic illness to doctor's appointments, dating, advocating for yourself, this podcast should provide information about the odds and ends of life for someone with a disability or chronic illness. We will talk about many different topics that I hope you can use as a resource to make your life better. I will share personal stories as well as having guests and experts come and share their own experience and expertise. I am hoping that there can be unfiltered conversations and assumptions that are debunked so that people who do not live this life can be informed about what life with a disability is like. I am really looking forward to interacting with you and hearing your experience. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Miss Independence podcast. I am so excited to have you all here today. And we have not just one, but two very special guests, Tiffany and Mallory. And I am so excited to introduce you guys to them. Um, Tiff and Mal, can you guys give me a little bit of background about who you guys are and what your mission is and kind of what you've been up to? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Tiffany McDowell. I am the big sister in the sister duo. Can you tell them what your name is? Mm-hmm. And this is my baby sister, Mallory Snellen, who is not so much a baby anymore, but she will always be my baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mallory and I are about six years apart. Um, I made a specific request to my parents when I was almost six years old that I wanted a baby sister. And mm-hmm. they, lo and behold, brought me one home. And so she has just been mine pretty much her whole life. (laughs) So uh, Mallory and I grew up in Tennessee. We moved to North Carolina in the early 2000s where um, our stepdad had a position with a company and Mallory graduated from high school uh, in 2009. Um, Unfortunately, that same year, we lost our mom to breast cancer. She was very young. She was only 50 years old. So you can imagine we did not expect that to happen when it did. And we were kind of thrown into, you know, a a new phase in our life that we hadn't planned for. um, And that was sibling caregiving. And so initially, we started out with me supporting our stepdad, who she continued to live with until he retired about five years ago. And about five years ago, Mallory moved in with me and I became a full-time sibling caregiver uh, where I've been responsible for her full-time care, uh, whether it's, you know, making sure she has a safe place to live, um, her financial power of attorney, um, supporting her decision-making and Mm -hmm. helping her find, you know, a day program and places to invest her time. Um, Shortly after our mom died, we started a small jewelry business together, and that really came out of frustration from the employment opportunities or the lack of employment opportunities for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So we had one appointment at the Vocational Rehabilitation Service Center, and I walked out so discouraged Mm -hmm. that I just decided that I would start my own business to employ her because they clearly weren't going to help her. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was in around 2010, and shortly after that, we started our jewelry business. When TikTok came onto the scene in like 2000 and like 17, 2018, Mm -hmm. we started a social media account there because I thought, you know, all social media is free marketing and advertising. Hmm. Oh, you cut out.
cut out for a second. Okay. So, yeah, now I can hear you. So uh, my 12-year-old had to teach me how to use TikTok. <laughs> and we just started telling our story. Like, I shared the story of how Mallory came to live with me. We would share, you know, like Cheeto Friday, how we celebrate mm-hmm. that, and just like little silly things about our life. I never really thought it was going to go that far. But lo and behold, at this point, we have a little over half a million followers and I, I think if I invested more time into social media um, planning with a manager and strategy that we would probably have even more but the thing I've learned is people people are curious and even mm-hmm. if you aren't directly connected to someone who has a, someone in the IDD community people are curious about other people's lives so really we've just tried to be an open book to encourage mm-hmm. other families whether that's someone who has received a new diagnosis that their baby has down might have down syndrome or you know siblings in a similar situation to us that are questioning who is going to help support my brother or sister who has an intellectual or developmental disability mm-hmm. after our parents pass or parents who are older and wondering what does life look like after their passing so we just try to be encouraging we try to share um as much information as we can because i'm personally passionate about being an advocate because i know that my sister is so kind and quiet that society tends to rush by her Mm -hmm. and they don't think about you know employment opportunities and her quality of life so i've kind of accepted the responsibility and the role of being that megaphone for people like my sister and other people who might not be fortunate enough to have a sibling who can care for them. So that's, in a nutshell, our story. Oh, that's such a great <laughs> story. years of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So you said she mo- you moved in with her two? It's almost five years five ago. Five years ago. Yeah. You said five, right. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Pa- time does fly. It really does. Oh, that's crazy. Okay, I have another question. Um, Mallory, or I guess uh, both to you, both of you guys, what was it like growing up with one another? Like, was there kind of talk around Ma- Mallory's disability, or what? What was so like one of your favorite things about uh, Tiffany Mallory? Like, yeah. What are some of your favorite things about me? What do you think? Am I mean? Or what am I? What are some of the things that you like about our relationship? Or maybe our childhood? Do you have any childhood memories? We watched a lot of Disney movies when we were kids. Ooh. Disney movies. You don't know? Oh, sorry. I would say Lion King. Mm -hmm. What other movies did we watch? Part two. Oh, and Lion King Part Two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What other movies? We like all movies. We like all of them. Do you remember what you were for Halloween when you were on Mary Kid? She's green. What is she? It wasn't Barney. It was who were you? Baby Bob. Barney and Baby Bob. <laughs> oh, cute. Oh, I'd love to see a pic. That's so cute. Oh, I'll, I'll have to dig one up. She was the yeah. cutest thing on the planet. We shared a bedroom oh. most of our our life, or most of her life, because obviously I'm six years older than her, but right. I think 
we finally stopped sharing a bedroom when I was 17 years old. (laughs) And so usually my bedroom, like she would watch Disney movies on repeat. Mm -hmm. It was back in the days, like we still had a VCR player and the tape played to the end and it would get to the end and automatically rewind. Like it was a fancy VCR player and we would watch the Lion King on loop. Like I could sing the songs in my sleep because Mallory, she gets a little obsessive when she finds something that she likes. And so Disney Mm -hmm. movies were her jam. Pocahontas Mm -hmm. was one, The Little Mermaid. I mean, and it was constantly on in our bedroom and Mallory kind of, you know, ruled the house. So we were watching it. And you guys had brothers, didn't you? Or have brothers, I should say. Can you tell Abby about our brothers? How many do we have? Yeah. Wow. So we had four that lived with us. Our older Mm -hmm. brother Emmett. We had two step brothers and a younger half brother. And then our dad remarried, and he had another son as well. So we Mm -hmm. were literally the only girls in the house. Wow. And Mallory was everyone's favorite. (laughs) Cute. What other movie? Oh, Parent Trap. Mallory. I had the hugest crush on Dennis Quaid, like as a kid. <laughs> yeah, as a kid. He's the dad. Yeah. Yeah, as a kid, as an eight-year-old. Yeah, I was convinced we were gonna get together. So anyway. <laughs> um, so I totally I'm like, I totally really yeah, we love oh, yeah. Disney. Um, I also love the sound of music. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's oh, a good yes. one. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's so good. Um, so we already talked about how we Mallory came to live with you guys. Um, what's your day to day life life like as a sibling caregiver, or like with Mallory around? Yeah, so I I shared with you, and I've shared on our channel that we yeah. purchased a coffee shop back in right. February. Mm-hmm. Um, so life has been a little bit different for the past couple of months. Um, I am current, so we purchased an existing coffee shop and I left my job in corporate America that I've, I've been in sales since I graduated from college in 2004. So I stepped out of the only career I've ever known because I am very passionate about the next phase of our business. Mm -hmm. Um, so I work at the shop as owner operator so I can learn all of the things. We're getting ready to open a second location and I want to know what is it like to be a barista? What are the things that the coffee shop needs? Like what makes it a good coffee shop versus, you know, a mediocre coffee shop. Mm -hmm. So what makes that tricky is Mallory currently does not work at the coffee shop because I want to learn everything first before I start employing, um, adults with disabilities. Mallory still goes to her day program um, every, when do you go to your day program? What days of the week? Monday, oh, Wednesday, and Friday. <laughs> yeah, every now and then she'll go on a Tuesday or a Thursday, but Mallory is very much a creature of habit and she likes a routine and yeah. a schedule. <laughs> what, do you do at, what do you do at your day program? Can I ask you? Yeah. Can you tell her some of the things you do at Walden Free? Pottery, you do life skills and goal setting. You also you cook things. What are some of the things that you guys cook there? You do know we just bought some. You guys made pickles. They grew their own cucumbers and made pickles. Nice, I love pickles. Zucchini bread, grew their own zucchinis and made zucchini bread. Whoa. 
there. Yeah, we had an open house there. What what's in the uh what's behind the ark? What do you guys what animals do you have at the ark? Um, Can you tell Abby what their names are? Um What's her whole name? Carol Baskin. Oh gosh. Oh <laughs> what's the other one? Selena Go Megs. Oh cute. I love that one. And then there is Cardi Peeps. Cardi Ooh, okay, I take that back. Cardi Peeps is my favorite. Cardi Peeps. Oh Hannah. Oh oh yeah. They did have a chicken that passed away. But the other three are doing really good. And then you have what other animals do you have to art? A cute bunny. A cute bunny. What's his name? Cody Wolf. His name is Golden Rolls. Don't ask me. No idea. Yeah, I was like, I have no idea. That's cool, though. They call him Goldie. Goldie. They, they learn the responsibility of taking care of animals. They get the eggs. They take care of the chickens. Like, it, it's a really cool program where Mallory has set three goals for the year um, all around, like, independent living and decision-making. Mm-hmm. And everything they do at the ARC um, in this day program revolves around helping her meet her individual goals so not everybody does the exact same thing oh okay it's like kind of stationed and working on different like occupational skills and life skills oh that's cool it's really cool so the biggest piece of the puzzle for me is consistent transportation because i am also working and that is like you know the hardest part of employing uh, or finding employment if you are an adult with a disability who does not have a driver's license is how do you get to work? Yes, so that is that's one of the um, one of the hurdles that we hope to help overcome. Um, we're looking to start a nonprofit that helps with transportation. So our coffee shop is not a nonprofit. We are very much a for profit because our belief is you don't have to be a charity to do good work. Um, but you can absolutely like do good in the community, but we're, we also want to start a nonprofit that solely revolves around job training and transportation because, you know, Mallory has no interest in driving. Right. She doesn't want to get her license, you know, nor does she like have the capacity to drive a vehicle. Right. So I understand as a caregiver that that's really the biggest piece of the puzzle for caretakers. So yes, that is something we wish to solve. That's um, so cool. Course, one step at a time. But. Right. And especially in rural areas, I have, um, I, I, that's my situation as well. And luckily, I just got a job down the street from my house. But, um, uh-huh. and my dad's retired. So I have trans- reliable transportation, but it is very hard to get a job. Yeah. It is most very. People, most people really, I mean, the best, and we don't. I wouldn't say we live in a very rural area. Like, there's literally a regional airport 12 minutes away from us. Oh, okay. We don't, we don't live in a place where there's a lot of public transportation. Exactly. So, I consider that rural. Yeah. 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 So, that's, we. I'm just realizing it, A, as a sibling caregiver, but also B, as a business owner, that if my heart really is to employ adults with disabilities, it, it's not just my responsibility to give them the opportunity. I also think it's a, a business's responsibility to help ensure they have a way to get to work or a window in which we give them grace to get to work so that, you know, it's not a, if you're not here at eight o'clock, you're fired kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I definitely can attest to that. Now, luckily, again, like I'm pretty close to it. It could have been, I have had situations where I have to like drive in from like into town uh, for jobs, but yeah, I, 
definitely think that that's something is special in the rural areas that needs to be solved because it's literally only driving. So yeah. they have like a little they have like a little share pool. Um, I forgot what the business name is, but it's kind of like a public transportation for like the valley the valley which I live in. But um, yeah, I'm gonna I might start using that too. But yeah, it's just and even if they have it, it's not. Oh, sorry. Yeah. What the route is like? If you have mm-hmm. other people that are on the route that have to be like you, you just never know what time you're going to get to where you're going because you're not the one driving the vehicle. So exactly. we we want to first solve that that problem for our employees, but once we're at a capacity where we have that solved, I would really like to have a network where we can help teach other businesses to do what we're doing and even offer mm-hmm. them transportation services. So I love like, that. The one year plan is to open a second location. The five-year plan is to get the nonprofit up and running. The 10-year plan would be we want to see other, like our transportation, provide resources to other businesses to do the same thing. So to That's- answer your question about our a day in the life, yes. um, I, I'm also attempting to get Mallory you know, to school or to her day program three days a week and then home three days a week. So I joke that it's like my part-time job. Oh, yeah, is, yeah is getting her where she needs to go. Um, and then on the weekends, it's just, Mallory is a homebody. She loves being at home. Oh, that's great. <laughs> she does travel. She just spent uh, two weeks in Tennessee with our aunt. She calls mm-hmm. that her summer vacation. She's planning a girl's trip with her best friend to Atlanta. Like she yeah. has, she has a social life, but most weekends, she is a homebody and has no interest in leaving the house. I mean, I feel like a lot of people can relate, you know? I think so, too. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I think a lot of people, especially when it gets to be that cold. Ugh. But I'm yeah, super no, excited. You. Going outside, no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Um. So, Mallory, just in general, um, kind of, I guess, yeah, back to, like, what do you like? uh about living with mallory do you or uh, sorry tiffany what are the some what are some of the things you like about living with me do you like your bedroom what's one of the things you like about your bedroom what did you just get you got something new while you were in tennessee got a new bookshelf oh fun you got a new desk yeah and a new chair. Yeah. Uh, her, her room is the best room in the house. If you nice. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It probably, it's probably nice to have someone else taking care of dinner every night, too, because that right. that responsibility does not fall on Mallory. No. Laundry. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that'd be nice. And then we have two cute dogs that live here, too, that she, oh. you can probably hear Coco tapping yeah. around us. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> I love when dogs join. The episode oh, that's she, so cute. Hi, Coco. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, so how did um how did you prepare? I know you kind of talked about being her caregiver kind of before she actually moved in with you, but how did you prepare yourself and your family? Because I know you have other people in the house. Uh, that Mallory yeah. is gonna come in that transition. Yeah, so, I mean, in full transparency, I I think we weren't prepared. And so Mm -hmm. one of the things that is 
my passion is sharing our life so that other people can think about it before we thought about it. So as I shared, our mom was very young. She was only 50 years old. And when they found her breast cancer, it had metastasized and it was already pushing stage five. And so we knew that we didn't have very much time and we actually had six weeks before she passed away. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was very fast and traumatic. So, you know, when you're young and 50 is young. Oh yeah, young, for sure. I don't, I don't think you're truly thinking about your mortality. So we had had conversations in passing because, you know, I was married and I was, had education and had a secure job and I had always like jokingly been Mallory's other mom so we had said in passing like of course I would take care of Mallory if anything ever happened to my parents we just didn't think anything was going to happen to my parents so soon so um when mom passed away she had taken care of everything so and Mallory was still in school so we're talking about two completely different stages in life right you're talking about school life and as an individual with IDD your school life is totally different from your adult life. Mm -hmm. Like forget integration, forget classrooms, forget resources, forget teacher's aids. Like you are literally like pushed out of the nest. And so my mom knew all of the intricacies of the system. My mom was the one who had really navigated all the resources. And I had at that point been moved out for almost 10 years. So I wasn't personally involved. So a lot of these things, I had to start over, like start from ground zero because I didn't know about voc rehab. I didn't know about the registry of unmet needs. I didn't know about Medicaid. I didn't know about innovations waivers. So a lot of this I've had to piece together after, you know, meeting other adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities and talking to their caregivers. Like a lot of this I've had to piecemeal together. So I would love to help someone avoid the frustration and the heartache that we endured because we weren't prepared. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's no slight against my parents. I think it's just something that you don't want to think about until you're much older. And we were just in an unfortunate situation that we did not have the time that we thought we had. So, you know, luckily my husband loved Mallory as much as I did. the very beginning of our relationship, as soon as he met her, she latched on to him and uh-huh. he loved her back. So it, it really wasn't, it, it wasn't even a discussion. It was just a, a given. Right. He's, he's literally picking on her right now. Oh, hi. <laughs> JJ, this is Abby. Hi, JJ. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Besides annoying Mallory, which is his hobby. So they're very much like a typical brother-sister duo. That's But my my children have grown up around Mallory their whole life. So, you know, this isn't any different than anything they were already familiar with. Mallory just stays with us now. So I think the adaptation for our family was easy. Like Mm -hmm. if Mallory was integrated into our family from you know, day one, mm-hmm. it was the navigating the resources and all the things that are available to her in the community that I wish I had been more involved in, or I wish my mom had included me or at least somehow captured everything so that mm-hmm. when she passed, I was more prepared to, to be a better support for Mallory. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things I, I I hope we can help someone else with. I think that's so important because 
and everyone's situation is different. But That's just assuming that just because like just that it's just gonna be not not just as in Mallory, but like the situation is gonna be just taken care of when someone dies. Like it's so people are gonna figure it out. Isn't really the best case scenario or like best plan. So And it's so complex, right? right. Like, you know, your social security benefits, exactly. your Medicaid, your I mean it's such mm-hmm. a complex system that And that oh I mean, I, yeah. I have a master's degree and I can't figure it out. Like we have yeah. talked about this so many times. Like it is it is complex on purpose. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's yep. frustrating. So needing yes. someone to just figure it out that had not been involved from the beginning was just you know, like beyond my scope of comprehension. And I, I really hope to save somebody that frustration. And especially if you're like thinking about moving out of state, because I'm, because uh, you guys live close to each other, but sometimes siblings, you know, have to like move out of state. It's like, yeah. well, that doesn't really can't, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you think of that aspect, if some, if a parent passes and now that person with IDD has to move into another state, like it, I, I can't even. I can't even fathom. So, yeah, there's a lot of um, delicate details mm-hmm. in the, the process of, you know, family planning goes beyond, you know, planning to have children. Family yeah. planning goes into adulthood and, and what happens to them after parents pass. But we, you know, we've done okay and mm-hmm. we're we're lucky to have the, what God has blessed us with and, and we just want to use it to help other people. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, I think it's so, they definitely do it on purpose. So like you don't call like it I feels uh, that way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It feels that way. I just feel like this the biggest like just dummy every time I call. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like I should know things that I don't know. And then when I ask questions and can't get answers, I'm like, is it me? Mm-hmm. Is it me? Right. <laughs> um, so I guess along that lines, like what were some of the things you I know you kind of said it was a given, but um. And like you said, there like wasn't really a handbook. But uh, did you like consider anything? Like, what, I guess check with. I I don't know. That was just one of the questions. Although, like, you kind of just like was kind of a given. Like just looking at like what our options were yeah. when we were. So we had, and I've always been pro like supported decision making versus guardianship right so i i don't need to be mallory's guardian she has capacity to make decisions for herself Mm -hmm. she does need support so one of the things that mallory and i had talked about initially was do you want your own place would you like to live by yourself or do you want to live with with me and Mm -hmm. your your nieces and mallory pretty much if wherever I am is where she wants to live. So at the moment, she does not want her own place. If that ever changes, we would absolutely support her and make sure we put her in a place that she's supported. If I'm not there, that she's, I can easily access her if I need to. But at the moment, you know, after we had that conversation, she was just like, no, absolutely not. No, thank you. So she moved in with us. There's not a lot of, that I know of communities that are like Mm self-supported individuals with IDD. If there were like, that would be an option as well. But I mean, the, the easiest and shortest path for us was Mallory for Mallory to move in with us. And it's been, I mean, it's been great for me. That's so good. (laughs) I love that. Oh, that is so great. Um, 
uh, okay, yeah, because I, I just want to make sure I'm going through all the questions. Um, so I know we had talked about transportation, about being transportation being an issue for, for work and just coordinating your schedule. But what are some of the lessons, um, other lessons you have learned uh, about from Mallory living with you, from both of you guys? I think you should always presume competence. Like mm-hmm. you should always, instead of, you know, not giving people the the dignity of risk or the, the dignity of trying and failing, mm-hmm. like you, just like with a typically abled individual, you know, Mallory can try things and if she needs help, she can ask for it, but first let them try it. Yeah. Um, I think the same goes for employment. Like, don't assume that an individual with IDD can't do the task at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on a YouTube rabbit hole of watching other employers um, who have pro- competitive integrated employment programs. Um, one of them is Acadia Windows. And so they had a huge need for like some labor that they could not fill from the typical workforce. And so they asked their staff if they would be open to working with adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And initially people were like, oh, this is so dangerous. Like right. they couldn't handle it. You're, it's glass, it's sharp objects. And then they partnered with their local ARC. And the ARC brought in a group of, I think there's 10 individuals with IDD. And those people have worked there anywhere from three to five years. Their um, days without, uh, like, an injury, days without injury, they're at, like, 3,051 days since their last reported injury. Okay, well, anyway, what, so we were talking about Acadia and that Days Without Injury? Yeah, so it, essentially they set a record once they partnered with the ARC and brought on a, a workforce that was neurodiverse. Um, they set a record for Days Without Injury. And so when they interviewed the employees, the typically abled employees who had been there and kind of, you know, decided they wanted to bring in employees with IDD, when they started interviewing them, you could just see that these people had been positively impacted. Some of them were like so emotional about it. They were crying um, about the work ethic and the positive attitude. They never miss a day of work. They're in the top like 3% of, in, in terms of attendance. They're in the top 8% in terms of like um, proficiency and efficiency on the job. So um, all that to say like, People or employers who are open to employing a more neurodiverse workforce, they make assumptions initially, and I would just encourage people to, like, push, get uncomfortable with, like, assessing why you feel that way because society has told you something that you have believed, and it might not be true because we've all learned Mm -hmm. that, like, we have made assumptions that were untrue. Right. And so a lot of these businesses are starting to experience that people with IDD are hard workers, they are, they love a process, Mm -hmm. they love repetitive tasks, they love a schedule, and they love, you know, essentially having the instructions, step one, two, and three, the the reliability of this is how you do this task, and you just keep doing it over and over, Um, so I've just been on this, like, little 
insert YouTube rabbit hole of trying to find these businesses that are doing the thing that we want to do. Granted, we're a coffee shop. Right. So it's a little bit different than manufacturing windows. But all that to say, like, there are certain liabilities that you face when you're working in a coffee shop. You're talking about Mm -hmm. very hot drinks. Let's not make assumptions about what someone's um, competence level is or what their capacity is. So I've just been really excited to think like how we can change the way employers look at the workforce when they start considering people who are neurodivergent. Oh, that's so great. I, I, yeah, I definitely think there needs to be a conversation, especially in different parts of the country, you know? Um, yeah. Wink, wink. I'm like, wink, wink. But, um, <laughs> but uh, just, you know, dependent upon, like, certain areas, I think that, um, and even, well, even in the bigger areas, it's just not a conversation that's had. And I think yeah. it's either you're either one or the other. And that's something that I've personally struggled with where, like, I have a disability, but, like, I went to college. I... um. I did unique for a little bit. So like I technically had my own business. Um, You know, I run this podcast, but there's like things where like, I am not as like, I don't drive. I actually turned. So I had my learner's permit just to try it out. And um, cause my mom was kind of like this. My parents were kind of like the same kind of approach as you, where it was like, um, let her try. Like, it's not, we're not going to tell her no, but also like, let her fail but um so I got my learner's permit um I do not have depth perception so that was probably not the smartest idea uh my my eye doctor told me yeah no well my eye doctor told me to never pay for a 3d movie because I would never know the difference (laughs) so it was really funny but anyway so I went with my um old habit and she doesn't work for me anymore or with me anymore but um we went to a gas station and I thought I was in reverse and I was in drive and I went through a gas station and took out the window and a beer cooler oh. <laughs> so <laughs> I like called my dad and he was I had to pick my sister up from soccer practice and he like couldn't find it was like this whole thing oh no yeah so that's kind of like the family joke it is pretty funny. It is pretty yeah. funny. So, so I totally understand, but no, I definitely think that, yeah, like for me, it's like you're either one or the other, or they kind of like want to like completely accept you as like normal. So like if you do yeah. like. Hold on yeah. just a second. My no, dog no. needs to go outside. Yeah, you're good. Mallory, can I just ask you a random question? What's your favorite color? Yellow. Yellow? Oh, why do you like yellow? You just like it? Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, I asked Mallory what her favorite color was. Yellow. Oh, yellow. I love it. No, <laughs> mine's blue. Not mine random. Green. Oh, I love, I love it. it. Well, yours and hers makes mine. True. Oh, ooh, look at that. <laughs> look at that. That's funny. Um, but yeah, no, so like kind of like what you were saying, I think it's like either or, or like sometimes like people just don't want to like know, but like you said, like you have to like educate people. So it's like, it's like either or they either think you're like completely like incapable or like, and there's this whole vast array, like Mm -hmm. even with someone who is physically disabled, you know, I, I know so many people who have cerebral palsy that cannot walk but are far more intelligent than the common person. And if they're looked at from just the surface level, people could be passing by on one of the most intelligent employees that you could have. And then you have someone who may be incapacitated or have a severe intellectual disability 
but can do repetitive tasks to a very specific degree, things mm-hmm. that a lot of people are like, especially typically able people, like rolling silverware right. or stamping a logo on a cup where someone who's typically able might be like, that sounds terrible. Someone who has an intellectual disability, that might be the most exciting thing because that's what interests them. So to your point, mm-hmm. we can't make assumptions that it's all or it's nothing because there's this vast array of ability, mm-hmm. even in individuals who have severe disabilities, they are yeah. still capable of, of doing something. Right. Hold on a second. I'll let the dog back in. You're good. You're good. Maui, what sh- you said your favorite season was spring or fall? I can't remember. Um, summer. Summer. Oh, right, because your uh, uh, Tiffany's a spring. Yeah. Mal is a summer baby. Mal hates being cold. Oh. It's very angry if she's really. Oh no. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um. Okay. That's, yeah, that, I just think that, yeah, it's, like, either one or the other, there needs to be some serious, you know, like, conversation, you know, conversations. Yeah. Okay. Well, and, and hopefully yeah. it's, it's a matter of just being, like, aware, and it's, I think that's where we come in when, you know, something is mm-hmm. as non-threatening as social media, like, you're scrolling TikTok and you see something, like, a, a woman dressed like a Cheeto and dancing, and she catches your attention, and then you subscribe to her her TikTok and then you start learning things that show up on your for you page about what a 14C certificate is or what competitive integrated employment is. So I, I think there is a way to educate people, even the ones who aren't looking for it. Like that's the beauty of social media. So it's a conversation right. that needs to be had and hopefully we have a platform that helps plant the seeds for someone to at least start asking questions, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love the planting seed idea. Um, So when you guys are on, or um, I guess I know Mallory hasn't officially started or anything, but what do you think some of her accommodations um, are going to be, like, in terms of, like, how do you think you'll help support her in that transition? Yeah, so our, our number one resource is going to be the ARC, our local ARC, the ARC of High mm-hmm. Point, which is also... Um, the program that puts on her day program or the, the organization that puts on her day program, um, supported employment um, skills, uh, job coaches. I, I think understanding from a business owner perspective that I can't do it all, but there are organizations mm-hmm. that are created to help businesses employ adults with disabilities and like have Amazon. Oh, love it. <laughs> But I, I know that I need to ask for help. So in terms of accommodations, like for Mallory, because she doesn't have any physical limitations per se, mm-hmm. um, I think understanding the resources that I can go to, the people who are literally experts in teaching jobs and processes, whereas, you know, my, I know how to open a business and I know how to hire employees. I don't necessarily know how to train someone who has mm-hmm. IDD on how to and it's not just about making coffee there are other jobs mm-hmm. in our coffee shop that need to be performed right so i do plan to work with the local arc um mm-hmm. we do have equipment that makes the espresso making um process a little bit easier mm-hmm. so for example um i don't know if, how often you go to coffee shops mm-hmm. but 
So the little thing that the, they grind the espresso mm-hmm. into, yep. that's called a portafilter. Okay. And you have to pack all of those grounds in before you put them in an espresso machine. Right. So there's a thing called a tamp, and you can do it by hand, but you have to be strong enough to put 30 pounds of pressure. Oh, A lot of people, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of very small women who work in our coffee shop, and before we started purchasing adaptive adaptive equipment, when they had to use a hand tamp, you would see these women, like, almost on the counter, like, putting all their body weight on this thing. So we invested in a thing called the Cube, and it's it's an auto tamper. So instead of having to do it by hand, you stick it in the box and it tamps it for you. So that was the very first piece of adaptive equipment that as soon as I saw it, I told my husband, who was also my business partner, like, we're getting that. That is so cool. (laughs) We have to get that. And I think, yeah. There's a lot of things that, and there are other adaptive, like things that Mm -hmm. I know that I will discover we can make more adapted to help someone who might have a physical limitation but that was just like the first thing that I was like oh my gosh that's adaptive equipment and I want it and I've benefited from it like personally I also like this thing so I've had to make some adaptations for myself yes I think adaptations are really important I so I kind of have that issue too like I don't have the dexterity so I have this washer I um a like scrubber to help and I Uh also have my aide who helps me take a shower and stuff but um yeah, but uh, at my new job, I work, I'm working at a bakery, and um, oh, cool. yeah, and I just started on Monday, so I'm like, oh, I was kind of nervous. What a cool job! Yeah, I'm, I'm like, so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna freak out. I was like telling my job coach, I was like, I'm gonna, this is all gonna get screwed up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get no, fired. I'm happy. You're oh. gonna be great. Oh, I'm super excited. Um, but. Um, anyway, there, we have to do box, you know, because we have to put stuff away. So there's like a box right. cutter, and she's like, "You're gonna like slice your hand off." So I'm gonna see if there's one, if uh, <laughs> a safety. With some kind of safeguard on it. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, she's like, I'm gonna look around, and there's a coworker of mine who said she could bring one in to see if it would work. But she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get you a safety box cutter because this is a recipe." But here's the thing: it yeah. doesn't only benefit you; it benefits typically. Like that was again the YouTube right. rabbit hole that I went down. They, Acadia had said the same thing that there were a few accommodations they had to make, but the accommodations that they made for their workforce that was neurodivergent actually benefited mm-hmm. their typically able workforce. Exactly. So like adaptations are, or accommodations aren't just for individuals mm-hmm. with IDD. Accommodations make the job better for everybody. Everyone. Yeah. No, I I agree. Yeah, well, it enforces you, it forces you, not force, it allows you to be more creative with with how you get, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I just, creativity, you know, I feel like that's kind of half the battle, so. 100%. Well, we kind of get in the, we're creatures of habit, right? Like, we we do the same thing, whether Mm -hmm. it's efficient or not, because it's just the way we've already always done it, so when someone comes along and is like, why are we doing it this way? It forces you to stop and think is there a better way to do this? And it might, there might be a learning curve and you might have some people who, you know, push back and disagree because they've learned something and they do it quickly. And that's just the way it's always been. But to your point, isn't safety better for everybody? Like a safety cutter would be beneficial for anyone who might be injured doing that job. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, I, yeah, it just benefits everyone. I think that's such a great point. And it can be, like, for things, like, you don't even think about, like, 
I mean, I personally would think of a box cutter just because I know yeah. myself around stuff. Sharp objects, yeah. Yeah, sharp objects, <laughs> not really my thing. Um, but, like, the auto damper. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, exactly. A, yeah. Like, you're just pushing grounds in a portafilter. That's not dangerous, but yeah. it, it, it's repetitive work, and it's a exactly. lot of muscle. And to be honest, I my back and my shoulders started hurting initially mm-hmm. doing the, the hand damping. Right. And so when all that came to a head, we were – we were waiting to do the the cube because it it's expensive. Like the just that little box was almost a thousand dollars. Holy cow! And when I started experiencing like you know back and shoulder pain, I was like, "This is dumb." Like, right. there is an easier way to do it. Yes, it costs money, but in the long run, it's going to make us faster. It's going to make our employees happier. And so we bought it. And you know, again, right now our our workforce. So the coffee shop that we purchased we kept all of their employees and right. they, they were all typically able to employees. They all love the auto tamper. Like everybody mm-hmm. is happier with the auto tamper, which eventually will benefit someone like Mallory because Mallory doesn't have dexterity and she's mm-hmm. four foot 10 on a good day. So she can't even like get right. tall enough to like push down on that hand tamper. True. So yeah. All that say like accommodations benefit everyone, not just the, mm-hmm. the disabled individual. Oh, a hundred percent. No, that's such, I think that's so good. Um, okay, so I guess the last couple of questions. Um, what's one piece of advice for new business owners who may um, have either have a disability or looking to hire somebody with a disability? What would you? So for someone who owns a business and is considering hiring someone with a disability, um, first and foremost, like the benefit <laughs> And I don't mean to sound crass in mm-hmm. saying this, like you also get tax credits yeah. when you employ mm-hmm. a veteran or a person with a disability. And that yep. could be a, a, like a someone who's had their back injured or right. it could be someone who has a, a congenital mm-hmm. you know, disability. Um, so number one, you are supported by your government right. when you hire someone with a disability. Mm-hmm. Um Number two, like there have been vast amounts of studies that show having someone like my sister um, or someone with any intellectual or developmental disability on your staff benefits the morale of the staff around them. Right. So they create a better and happier workforce. Mm -hmm. Um, Number three, you're going to learn something. Like (laughs) the things I learn from my sister on a daily basis or the things that like she makes me rethink because she has a different perspective on life just because of her life experience versus mine. Right. I'm always amazed that I think I'm smart and I teach her something. It is the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, a business owner, I firmly believe when you uh, employ someone who has an intellectual disability, you're going to learn something that you did not know. And you're going to, you're going to learn a lot of things that you did mm-hmm. not know. Right. Um, so I, I would encourage anyone, even if it's just starting with one person, like, you know, I, I mean, the longest journey begins with a single step, just, mm-hmm. just employ that one person, like mm-hmm. just, just see where that gets you. Right. Um, or as an individual with a disability looking for work, don't give up. Mm-hmm. I know that oh. the unemployment rate is something like 90 plus percent for someone who has IDD. Mm-hmm. And that breaks my heart because we are in, uh, <laughs> there's a, a little bit of an employment crisis right now. And it's not on behalf of 
the employees, it's on behalf of the employers. Like most mm-hmm. businesses have positions that they cannot fill. Like for one reason or another, mm-hmm. they cannot find people to fill those roles. Don't be afraid to ask and be told no. Like there's, there's dignity and risk of being disappointed. Like go mm-hmm. apply for the jobs, ask for the interviews. If you're told no, move on to the next. It doesn't mean that you're not worthy. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're, you're not capable. It simply means that that was not the job for you. Right. So keep going until you find it. So no today means maybe tomorrow. I love that. No today means maybe. I love that. That's so good. I was going to also say no means next opportunity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can steal. You can ch- have oh, that yeah, one too. Totally that. You could totally steal it. But no, and I've had that. Like I, so I got a little bit about me is um I graduated from our university during COVID, but um I started out on the elementary ed track and I got into the classroom okay. and I was in like the I was accepted into the program, but I had just started my observations or whatever. Um, like which is like barely hands on. You like literally go and observe and like do like little bits of teaching, and they could already tell that I was struggling. So they kind of just like sat. They're like. My my advisor and like some of the professors and like the gal who like runs the program kind of just sat me down and was like, you know, we really want to support you, but we don't think this is like the best opportunity or like the best fit. So I actually switched my degree into health communicate or communication with a health communication certificate, which allows, um, which basically just talks about the um how to communicate as a provider to your patient or in between providers, uh, which. Of course, you know, as somebody who has a disability is what I feel like is really important to know. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I got my degree in college um, during COVID at graduated in like 2020 of December of 2020. And then um, I got a job at our health department, but it was only temporary. And it was for COVID. And I was really successful at that job. And then I had a few slew of jobs that did not work out like at all. Like it was bad. Yeah. And I felt like there was like some, I'm not going to name the companies, obviously, but there was obviously... I feel like some of the jobs were a little misleading in their titles and their responsibilities. Yeah. So I feel like that's like something that needs to be addressed. But um, I think but also, like to your point that yeah. this, you started with something, you tried it and figured out like, and you're so young, like okay. you have so much time to figure out like what works for you. And when you discover like, this isn't my gift. This isn't the thing that I thought it was going to be. And you you shifted, you adjusted, and you move on to the next. Like, look at the things that you've been able to identify that you're passionate about. Like, teaching is great, but I'm right. more passionate about communication. And health communication, and, right. And in the health environment, as yeah. you know, like, you have more complex needs than someone who doesn't have a disability so who better to right. be in that in that world than you but you had to figure out what didn't work before you found what did work so exactly even in the slew of jobs that didn't work out for you it's equally as important to find what doesn't work as it is to find what does, does work. work so exactly being told no is actually a blessing or trying mm-hmm. something and it not being what you thought it was is as much a blessing as finding the thing that makes your heart sing because you need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that wasn't for me. So exactly. you don't do it again. So you yeah. don't try to pursuing something that's not made for you. Right. I Yeah. And like, you'll never know unless you try, right? 100%. So exactly. that's, 
Yeah, so and so that's kind of like why, and like yeah, I'm working at a bakery right now, which isn't. I mean, it is communication because it's customer service. So Absolutely. I do talk. I do talk a lot about how I have a health communication background, but like it is general communication. I just happen to have a certificate, so like this is like the perfect you know job. And yeah, but you know everything you there's yeah. gonna be some point in your life, Abby, where you look back and you realize that this bakery job was a very important part of your employment journey. Right. Like, don't, my very first job was Taco Bell. So, Ooh, fun. And there are things that I learned at Taco Bell that I have carried through. Like, every piece of your journey is important. So don't be yeah. like, I, I just work at a bakery. Like, right. no, you work at a bakery, and you yeah. have roles and responsibilities, and it's going to contribute to the skill you take to your next job so exactly i think you'll find that and i think yeah and i'm excited there's a couple of my coworkers that i really like um and i i mean i'm just really good with customer service i like to smile i absolutely believe so, that about you oh, if i walked into a bakery and i got to meet you in person i would be there every day oh well you just have to move up here <laughs> apparently or maybe you need to move here i would I would love to do that. Oh, we'll have to, we'll have to plan that. You'll have okay. another person in your house. No, I'm just kidding. You'll have totally, another person in your totally. house. Um, okay, well, I think I only had um one song or... Okay, so we talked about the one piece of advice for people who have a disability. Um, I guess kind of going back to the sibling caregiver, um, I, get, I know you talked about um, not assuming incompetence for like the piece of advice, but what... Um, I guess, is there, like, another kind of, like, more, I guess, I mean, do you have, like, any other final thoughts, I guess? I, I think don't assume your inability to do hard things. Mm-hmm. I think especially if, you know, you're you're stepping into a role that was previously a parent's role and your parent has always made the medical and the educational and the employment and all of the decisions and you're stepping into a role and you feel like, there's no way I can do what mom or dad did or my, you know, whoever the caregiver was. Um, Don't underestimate your ability to do hard things Mm -hmm. when it comes to the people that we love. Um, I mean, you know, you, you hear people like lifting automobiles off of children. Like I, I think there is some kind of superhuman intellect or strength or like, I really believe that we are given the gifts from our creator when when we need them for the people that we love, especially for the people that we love. So I know it can be scary. I mean, there, there are days that I doubt my ability, but then I remember, like, I love, I have loved Mallory almost my entire life. Like, she was my first answered prayer. Um, I We endured losing our mom. There, like, I, I, I just don't think there's anything that I can't figure out for her. Like I I would crawl to the edge of the earth to figure something out for her. So my piece of advice would be don't doubt your ability to do hard things, especially when it comes to your loved one. Oh, that is so great. And yeah, I just want to say, I love how passionate and how much you love Mallory. That's just, and, and I'm like, I don't have any, I have long sleeves on, but give her a hug. Yeah, give her a hug. <laughs> oh, I, you can tell. And I'm so glad that I got to meet you guys. Even if it was through TikTok. Um, you know, TikTok does great things. But um, no, I'm so glad we got to do this interview. And um, can you guys share your coffee company uh, social media so I can share it? Absolutely. So our coffee shop is called 83 Custom Coffee. So the number 83 Custom Coffee. 
It will be changing names at the end of the year. Um, it will be Joy Bar Coffee nice. is what we are changing it to. Uh, but part of our asset purchase agreement was that we would keep the name for a certain amount of time. And I kind of love it. Like it, it's a, a local hotspot and there are days that I'm like, maybe I won't change the name because people might not like it. But anyway, 83 Custom Coffee. Um, we do have a Facebook page. We do okay. have an Instagram page, 83 Custom Coffee LLC. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's where you can kind of keep up with what we're doing at our, our little beloved coffee shop. Oh, that is so great. Well, thank you guys. Thank you, Mallory, for um, hanging out with me today and I cannot wait to share this episode. So um, thanks. And thank you to our listeners. Thanks for having us, Abby. 